and welcome to the JB Loves Beer podcast, featuring reviews, reactions and opinions on all things beer. Join me, JB, on my odyssey through the world of craft IPAs, pails, stouts and saisons. Well, look who's come crawling back. Apologies for taking the best part of a half-year hiatus rather randomly and without explanation. Now, I love the craft beer life, but the rest of my life is rather demanding and I've struggled to find time to sit down and put together my podcast. So, deepest apologies. From here on, I'm going to try and be both more frequent and more realistic about what I can really put together and attempt to record, say, one episode a month. So let's call this February's instalment. The focus of this episode is going to be the super new and hot to trot boxcar brew company. Hailing from East London and more specifically Bethnal Green, I made the trek this weekend just gone to see what they had to offer in their new taproom. Whilst in the area, I happened to visit two other breweries too. So in this first section, I'm going to roll straight into what I call the live, not live reviews. Now, what does this mean? Now, I actually did record little segments in Boxcar, in Forest Road and in Signature. But it was only when I got home and tried to listen to them back that I realised that in the first one, um, my recording headphones had been rubbing my beard because obviously I have a beard because it's, you know, craft beer. You've got to have a beard as part of the uniform. And um, therefore, it's really, really horrific to listen to. And I just don't think you'd enjoy that. And it's not up to the quality that I really want to kind of deliver. So I've had to scrap that. Then when it came to Forest Road and Signature, or being the kind of cool places that they are, they were playing music pretty loud. And I stupidly stood next to the speaker or the amp or whatever it was when uh, the music was playing. And so my recording is just, you know, inaudible mumbles with some banging tracks over the top. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to recall it. And this is going to be a live, not live, review of those three breweries. Here goes. off then is Boxcar Brew Company, uh, not too far from Bethnal Green Tube Station, it's in a railway arch, outside you've got a little area for people to kind of chill and smoke and that sort of thing, it's not really the time of year to sit outside yet so there was no one there and in fact uh, I and my partner were the first people there uh, when we got through the door and straight in front of you you've got the bar, there's about 10-ish um, keg lines all with uh, Boxcar Brew Company stuff. Um, then you've got a couple of chiller cabinets as well with mostly their kit, but also a few bits and pieces from their best mates, I assume anyway. So you had um, Don Zoko's lager, you had um, some non-alcoholic lager, and you also had a few of those like large bottles that were really for sharing, unless you're feeling very, very greedy. Um, and all of those you could have in if you wanted, and I don't think there was really even a kind of a corkage or a cannage charge. In terms of the seating, it's all pretty sporadic and random. We actually sat on some kind of leather seats, some leather sofas, and you could see in kind of the second arch next door was where all the kit was with the broom was going on. There's only one chap there. Uh, didn't quite catch his name, but it seemed like a sort of American meets Scottish guy. Um, and he was very busy, very animated looking after the place. Um, I enjoyed a nice glass of two thirds of, I think it was Amethyst Pale Ale from Boxcar, never had any of this stuff before, so I was going purely on reputation, and sure enough, 
very nice too. It was super cloudy, orange, uh, with a kind of sticky head. Uh, I remember enjoying that, thinking this is a great way to begin an afternoon of beer drinking. Um, I can imagine it gets a bit busier, and actually, you know, in the time that I was there, there was probably about oh, 10 people that also turned up and were enjoying a nice sort of early afternoon beer. Probably gets rather pumping in the evening. Um, so definitely one worth checking out, I would say, because there's quite a lot of offer uh, there and they had a lot of their own stuff on cans. And sure enough, I took away a whole bunch of their cans and that's going to form the basis of my kind of beer reviews this week. Now, there will be pictures that go along with this. And in fact, all of the kind of live, not live reviews, so I'll be posting those on my Instagram at jbloves-beer. Next, up the road, it was about a 20-minute walk, was Forest Road Brewing Company. Now, again, this was in a railway arch. Went in there, suddenly it was much, much busier, much louder. The whole space itself was uh, pretty cramped. And I mean that in terms of the amount of stuff that was there. Straight away in on the right, there was like a old van, which I assume may have been how they did their kind of beer deliveries in the past. Now it looks a bit dilapidated. It was being used to kind of carry stuff and they'd ripped one of the doors off. It was kind of an impromptu seating area. Uh, then you had loads of seating as you went further into the left. There was a toilet also, of course, need that. And um, then the bar on the right had about eight keg lines, I would suggest, although uh, one of those at least was given over to cider. I think one also might have been given over to sort of wine, maybe, um, but I can't quite remember. It's not really my bag wine anyway, so I wasn't really focusing on that. Um, now, there's stuff all over the walls, uh, mostly kind of flags and paraphernalia and sort of photos from a Polaroid camera. Um, and a lot of this seems to be related to America, American culture. I'm going to ask kind of sort of a college culture or post-college culture, very much about American football. Got the sense that that would be playing. There was kind of a screen playing skateboarding videos uh, and that sort of thing. And a lot of their own kind of advertising, although it felt kind of like propaganda really all over the walls. Um, so it was cramped in a kind of cosy way. It was, you know, busy. There was lots of people there, uh, a mix of people. There were people with kids there too. Um, so my partner and I didn't feel too bad about taking our baby along. Um, now, the first issue that I would say with this place, and this is where it was quite different from Boxcar, where the chap that I was talking to behind the bar seemed very nice and open and kind of excited, was I could not see for the life of me where the beer list was. So I straight away said to one of the people working behind the bar, hi, do you have a beer list? And they kind of just sort of pointed behind me and said, there it is, in a bit of a kind of deadpan way. And so I turned around and there it was on the wall opposite me. Now I don't know if I'm being stupid, but that seems quite unusual to me to have your kind of beer list on a completely separate wall that's nowhere near your actual bar. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I just thought that was a bit kind of rude. And anyway, so looked at the beers, chose what I wanted. Uh, my partner wanted a non-alcoholic beer, so I sort of turned around and said, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? And the sort of frown that I got from, again, the same person who was you know, attempting to serve me as in like, why would you want that? Really surprised me because on Instagram over January, everyone's been going pretty bananas for the kind of dry January non-alcoholic beers or really low alcoholic beers. Like Brewdog have been running their own kind of alcohol-free bar in North London. So I didn't really understand the sort of puzzled, perplexed, confused response and the kind of no, which was, you know, no, why are you so stupid? Why would you want that? This is a brewery. So I had to ask, you know, what else was on offer? And it was like, uh, fruit juices or water. And I was sort of just felt like this was all very derisory. So, um, I don't know, just put me in a bad mood. And so by the time I actually got my beer, which was a pint of work, as it was called, which is their IPA, and I tasted it, I just thought it was pretty average. And just a bit sort of, there were hints there of that kind of caramelly, 
maltiness, almost bitterness that you get with the kind of West Coast IPAs, but this really didn't feel like that. It felt very generic and a bit kind of five years ago in terms of flavours. Uh, maybe I'm sounding like a snob now, but that's kind of my view. Uh, so I kind of drank it angrily and it was like, let's go, let's get out of here. So I don't know, Forest Road, maybe I'm just not cool enough anymore. Maybe I'm too old. Uh, don't know what it was, but just didn't have that kind of friendly come try all the beers and have a nice time, ask questions, get involved kind of atmosphere that I've kind of come to expect from the craft beer world and from independent brewers. So um, just being honest. The third stop was another 20 minute walk, this time a little bit more kind of westwards um, along the canal and you get to Signature Brewery. Now, this actually wasn't a brewery, it was kind of a brewery tap room, so there was no actual brew kit there. When you get in there, it's um, again, a railway arch, quite low this one, um, and it's very airy, lots of space because it's not filled with brew kit. At one end, you've actually got a um, stage because they do lots of live music apparently, and then straight away on the right, you had your kind of bar, which had probably about 12 cake lines on it, uh, along with all the other bits and pieces that they offer. Um, spirits and so on and you also had on the left a chiller cabinet full of their stuff and again their mate stuff there was also a football table but I wasn't getting involved in that I had um, three thirds um, three different beers so I had a uh, what was it now a double IPA I had an imperial stout and I also had a saison I think it was and all of which were delicious all of which taste very fresh all very different flavours bold exactly what the kind of you would expect of those different um, types of beer and so I was happy I thought that was kind of a good setup and it was all uh, well priced too the people there especially in comparison to Forest Road seemed very very sweet very kind very nice asked me questions answered my questions um, and you know just sort of seemed more like what you would expect in a kind of craft beer brewery kind of place like a tap room so I was happy with that, happy with what I was drinking, signature. You know, you do see it in, in bars and pubs all around London now, I feel. Um, and good luck to them, they're going places. So signature, keep it up. Boxcar, absolute amazeballs. Looking forward to reviewing your beers in a moment. Forest Road, I don't know, pull your finger out. I actually quite liked their whole online thing, which was um, how kind of anti-Heineken and anti-AB InBev they were. So I was really looking forward to going to see them. And I got there and they had a lot of that kind of stuff on the walls, but... I didn't realise that that kind of aggressive uh, sort of view and uh, mentality was also again going to be visited upon their customer base. Um, so, yeah, disappointed. But um, if you have a different view or you have a different opinion, please contact me, argue me, with me, shout at me on my Instagram feed when I post the pictures. I'd be very interested to see what you have to say. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Forest Road are going to get back to me and say something too. But uh, there we go. Live, not live reviews. Done. that all now said and done let's move on to the beer reviews as i stated previously this episode's reviews are all beers i picked up on my visit to boxcar a pale an ipa and a double ipa always nice to grab what i think of as the hoppy spectrum from a brewery to get a sense of what they're all about so let's see what punches boxcar are packing here goes Believe it or not, this is actually review number 30, and it is Peace Pale L from Boxcar. So this poured a lovely hazy yellow with a pretty big bright white head. 
The nose was fairly gentle, actually, kind of a, a fruitiness, but gentle is the main kind of descriptor here. Super low carbonation in the mouth. And upon first sipping, I noticed a kind of light pineapple. And this was really the flavour. It basically was pineapple juice, as far as I'm concerned. There was a sort of pithiness as well, which made it feel real, rather than a kind of a fake, I don't know, adjunct. Um, to me, this is what an APA should taste like. It's what an APA tastes like a couple of years ago. Now no one really talks about APAs, American Pale Ales. Instead, it's just IPAs forever, or IPAs or death, or really doubles and triples and imperials and all the rest of it. So, in the grand scheme of things, top banana, and, you know, there were no banana flavours, and that's even better. So, four out of five overall, well done. So, I've decided to mess with the format of the beer reviews by introducing a sneaky live tasting. Uh, this is Home Over There, an IPA from Boxcar. I've already cracked the can, which is a lovely black can with um, some um, interesting can art, which is reminiscent of a half and half of a sunny day and half and half of a sort of blissed out, wavy kind of sea vibe. Maybe it's something to do with surfing, not entirely sure. Uh, home over there obviously evokes a kind of holiday spirit, perhaps. Um, I've got to say, the actual quality of the can art um, and in terms of the sticker itself is a little bit lacking because it's really kind of... Um, I don't know, it looks like it's been peeled or been like kind of attacked a little bit, maybe by an angry cat or something. But anyway, the beer itself is a lovely hazy sort of dark orange uh, with a pretty fluffy white head, very kind of pleasant in its approach. In terms of the nose, you can hear me sniffing. Um, that's a kind of muted um, hop smell, nothing specific coming out, no particular kind of fruits or anything like that. So let's give it a taste. Um, pretty mild, I've got to say. Pretty kind of, again, muted may be the word, kind of a relaxed, hoppy taste. Not particularly fruity, just kind of, you know, the, the sort of American hops you would expect from an IPA nowadays, especially from a kind of craft beer outfit like Boxcar. It comes a little bit stronger upon the swallow, um, but it's not, you know, sort of acidic. It's not sharp. There's not anything aggressive about this. It's very kind of mellow. So thinking about the can art and that sort of sun meets sand meets beach meets kind of surf relaxed holiday jazz that it's kind of giving off i can kind of see how this fits so overall so I'll go for another sip just to see uh yeah i'm probably going to give this 3.75 out of five finally tonal vision double ipa review number 32 now this poured a flat orange with a smattering of bubbly head zingy to sniff super big as soon as I got it in my mouth. The mouthfeel was huge here. I was practically chewing this. Oranges and mangoes are hoi hoi in terms of flavour, zingy again to swallow, but not burny or overly bitter. Now, I might actually have preferred some bitterness here, if I'm honest, and instead of general fruit, as I had on the swallow, it was not too dissimilar, I've got to say, to the other previous two that I've just reviewed. So this is the issue for me. A double IPA, as far as I'm concerned, should be bigger in all respects and whilst it was big in colour and big in head and big in smell that was about it. it wasn't big in the flavour didn't hit me in the way I expected I mean the ABV was high and the fact that they hid that ABV is like well done boxcar that's an incredible skill in of itself but I kind of want more from the double IPA I want to be shocked I want to feel like I've really noticed something I want to feel like well, this is a beer that I've got to take you know pay attention to I've got to take it seriously 
So because it wasn't quite like that, I'm going to score it a little bit lower. I'm going to say it's a, it's a flat three out of five. And I don't think that's that controversial. I just expect more from a double IPA. Otherwise, let's call it an IPA and be done with it. So that was the beer reviews. Now time for some chinwagging based on the uh, events, if you will, of the last sort of six months in the craft beer scene. Again, mostly focused on London. Um, I was almost kind of uh, spoiled here because so much has happened in this time, but I'm just going to focus on a few bits and pieces that kind of stand out for me. Um, and I'm going to kick off with my bold, not bold decision to not have a beer advent calendar in December 2019. Now I know it's like over a month now since Christmas, but uh, this is still, I don't know why, sticking with me. You know, the last few years, Christmas has immediately meant beer advent calendar time, and I've had beer advent calendars from uh, Ghost Whale, and I've also had them from um, Hot Burns and Black, and both were great, but 2019 was the year where I got stung by the um, boxes of beer. Um, so every now and again, obviously, a brewery does a, a, a box of beer for some reason, usually a birthday, and I just had some right stinkers. And so when it got close to advent calendar time, and it was you know, November and I needed to order it, I looked around at the options and I just kind of didn't want to do it. Instead, I thought the money I was going to spend on it, because they are expensive, these uh, advent calendars, I thought I could just go to a bottle shop and choose my own stuff. And... I did that. I just did it and I had a lovely time. It was great. I watched Instagram avidly as people opened up their beer app and calendars. And every now and again, I saw something that gave me a bit of pang of um, regret. But generally speaking, I got over it and just enjoyed the beer that I personally had purchased. So, you know what? Free yourselves from the shackles of the beer advent calendar um, and you can still have a lovely time. But it is also nice to have an advent calendar. I'll, I'll give you that. Anyway, moving on. Suddenly it was January, and of course we had the explosion of low and no alcohol beers all over the scene. Now, I actually decided not to do dry January this year, even though I would normally do it, and I've done it for many years, just because I don't really feel like I drink enough uh, anymore in the way that I once used to when I was a bit more free. Um, so I didn't really feel the need to suddenly sort of purge myself, so I didn't do it. But I am very impressed with what I've seen, and I feel kind of jealous that I wasn't almost on dry January, because suddenly... There are so many good non-alcoholic beers or low-alcoholic beers available and I was following again lots of people on Beerstagram and saw lots of kind of you know, what you might call big names you know there's sort of semi-celebrities who've got big followings and who do the kind of cool stories about the beer they drink. I saw a lot of these people just sort of not drinking and doing the kind of dry jam with these alcohol-free beers and it looked top-notch so in particular I think Lucky Strike um, I think it's called sort of stood out which I haven't had but I will look to have it at some point maybe when I'm driving perhaps so I can get what it's all about and also Brewdog did a whole bunch of um, non-alcoholic beers um, this year rather than just um, Nanny State and they all look good and um, I tasted a few of them actually not too long ago and they, they seemed quite nice and they were also doing this thing in their bars where if you bought one pint of non-alcoholic beer you could have the rest basically for free for the whole session you were there which I think is absolutely genius so well done then and um, you know next Jan if I decide to go for it well at least I won't feel um, kind of daunted about a whole month with no beer as it were. Going back a little bit earlier than sort of uh, the dry Jan and Christmas period we had a, a rerun of the Cannonball Run from Magic Rock and uh, you know Magic Rock obviously last year decided to sell themselves to Lion 
and there's a lot of concerns that this was going to be bad and that Magic Rock are going to fall apart just as we've seen other big breweries fall apart. I don't feel that's happened quite yet. I'm still watching them very closely and I'm still willing to wear my Magic Rock t-shirt. Not that that really means anything um, because I still enjoy their beer. So, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and, you know, when the Cannonball Run finally came, uh, Cannibal Run finally came out, last year and it took a while it was very very much postponed it's normally during the during the early part of the year um, I was looking forward to sort of a new edition because every year they've added something they've had you know cannonball human cannonball neo human cannonball unhuman cannonball what was going to be next oh nothing they just rebrewed last the beers from 2018 which is absolutely fine because they're nice but you know where was the innovation there was no innovation there was nothing new so I felt disappointed and thought no maybe just maybe this is <laughs> what is the beginning of the end and this is you know lion having their say in the output of magic rock so um yeah that was that was disappointing and the beers themselves were fine um but i don't think they were really as good as the year before maybe it's just there uh, i've had them before and i kind of knew what to expect or maybe it's just that they've been lapped um in particular neo human cannibal just seemed a bit lackluster that was the any ipa and interestingly, the triple IPA, which the, in 2018 had been too boozy, just kind of blew my mind. This year, I ended up just liking it more. Now, maybe I'm just a raging alcoholic, but I really don't think that was it. Rather, I thought it just it seemed more balanced. So, um, you know, if that comes back next year, I'll definitely have one of those. But, you know, Neo Human, I'll probably swerve. Furthermore, to go back to Brewdog again, um, Omnipolo recently did a tap takeover at Brewdog Cambridge Circus, which I happened to be at. And I tried about three or four of their pieces. Uh, in particular, there was uh, one of the uh, stouts that they do that has the soft serve on the top. Um, I ended up bumping into a really random person who insisted that of the two stouts, they were getting them the wrong way round in terms of how they were serving them and putting the soft serve on the wrong one. And so therefore the vanilla and the coconut was mixing, which shouldn't be happening. I didn't really understand this person. They were a bit odd, actually. Um, probably was the beer because it tends to be very strong. Um, but anyway, the one I had was nice, whether or not it was mixed up or otherwise. Uh, I also had uh, one of their IPAs. I think it was Zodiac, which I think you can get in a can. I've not had that before and I did enjoy it and uh, also tried some of their super fruity beers and the name actually escapes me but I think it was Omnipoloscope and you know there is an argument to say that to be honest it was just a fruit smoothie rather than really a beer and I don't like to jump in or on that bandwagon because I like it when people kind of mess around with beer and try different things I, uh, I kind of admire that but um, I think I'm starting to form a bit of a callus when it comes to Omnipolo. I just find the beers to be firstly insanely expensive and so not natural in terms of the flavour. Sometimes now it's starting to feel very, very fake. And I think that's ruining my enjoyment of it. And I think the cost and this sort of fakeness in terms of the flavours, the adjuncts, is just killing them a little bit for me. I did have my final bottle of yellow belly not too long and that was still very nice um so that is that uh but i don't know maybe on apollo are dead for me maybe i'm just over the hype is that controversial i don't really know can on apollo ever calm down and just have like a core range of quite nice beers would that not just kill them dead is that not their whole purpose to be doing this sort of wacky nonsense well I don't know, I just don't find, you know, I saw an advert on Twitter the other day, or rather someone posted that they had gone to buy an Omnipolo beer in their local shop and it was £23 a can if you drank it in. 
what does that even mean? Like, that's insane. I know people spend a lot of money on a nice beer, but this was like a 330ml can. Again, maybe I'm just getting really jaded, but it just seems too much. I don't mind, you know, shelling out £6, £7 for a really good beer, or even more if it's going to be one of those kind of sharesy beers, but uh, £23 for a 330 can kind of reminds me of the story The Sun ran not too long ago, or a couple of years ago anyway, about um, a beer that if you'd had it as a pint in craft beer company, it was going to be, you know, well in excess of £20. Now, I'm not like losing my marbles over that so much, I just think 330ml, really? Don't know, just too much. Um, more popular stuff, or more happy stuff, I should say. I finally went to the new Colonel Tap Room on the Bermondsey Beer Mile not too long ago. The Colonel is a, such an interest, interesting brewery because they're one of these breweries that everyone who's in the kind of brewing industry, I'm not, I'm just you know a punter, absolutely loves the Colonel. People who work there, or the guy who runs it, is just because of this sort of genius legend type character for whom, uh, or from whom there would be no craft beer scene if it wasn't for them. Um, and don't get me wrong, their beers are solid and dependable. And it's almost beautiful how sort of simple the can designs are, or rather, sorry, the bottle art is. Um, and that makes it attractive in of itself because it means the beer just speaks for itself. And I get that. Um, but a number of years ago when they did have a tap room initially, which was always rammed and the toilets were always blocked, um, the people who worked there were just crazy rude. So I didn't end up going there that regularly because I just didn't like the people who worked there. They were like too painfully cool. Anyway, they then got rid of the tap room because it wasn't really their kind of style. And in many years have gone by now and obviously the Bermondsey Beer Mile was mutated into something ridiculous. Uh, but still very enjoyable, don't get me wrong. And suddenly the Colonel were back. So I went along, lovely new tap room, airy, bright, very kind of stripped back, basic. And then once again, the beer does the talking and the beer is absolutely amazing. So the rebirth of Colonel, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to jettison all of my old kind of um, thoughts about them and my feelings towards them and just embrace them as they are. It, maybe it's true, maybe the Colonel is the second coming, they are the Messiah. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. Fab. Would be better if it was in 440 mil cans rather than bottles, but, you know, I'm just being picky. Finally, just to kind of round all of this off, um, you know, it's 2020 now, and I feel like I am looking for, and I would say based on what I see in the kind of beer Instagram world, everyone's looking for the new trend. What is the new beer? What's going to happen next? Um... I don't know what it is. I can't really put a finger on it. I've not noticed anything, like in terms of you know, breweries all making a certain type of beer or kind of veering towards something or using certain types of hops. None of that's really jumping out on me. I'm hearing rumblings that maybe a lot of breweries, sort of very, very small microbreweries are kind of struggling, that maybe the, the scene has reached saturation and it can't handle more breweries and that people will be more discerning with how they spend their money and all this sort of stuff. And I can't speak for that. I've not definitely noticed it myself but that also wouldn't really be a trend in beer just be a kind of a sad trend in the industry so i do see that as being slightly different than divorced uh, but i'm not seeing it yet instead you know looking for what the new trend is i don't know i still feel we're like riding the end of the any ipa kind of wave i would love to see west coast ipas come back um, i think maybe stouts are going to start maybe jettisoning saying goodbye to the adjunct element you know all the vanillas and the coffee beans but i've got no evidence for it it's just an opinion um 
other types of beers, sours and saisons and those sort of range of beers, you know, I do feel like you see more of them. Maybe it's maybe I should go back to what I said at the beginning. Maybe it's low alcohol, no alcohol, sort of table beer type stuff. Interestingly, Boxcar are big on their whole like doing a mild, a dark mild, which is a sort of an old English ale kind of beer. They're trying to bring that back and make it kind of cool and hipster. So maybe that'll be it. Maybe it's going to be about the low ABV this year. Um, let's wait and see. But I'm eagle-eyed. I'm keeping an eye out. And maybe in next month's episode, I would have worked it out. But there we have it. A whole range of random nonsense that's just been kind of bouncing around my brain box for the last six months. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Maybe you've got some ideas. You know, message me on Instagram or uh, tweet me or email me. And I'm going to give you all the information about that or remind you rather in a moment but there we go that's it from me this month thank you for tuning in and thank you for coming back after my big old random break if you have any thoughts opinions ideas if you just want to have a rant at me or you fancy a chat then you can catch me on instagram at jblovesbeer on Twitter at JB Lovespear or untapped at JB Lovespear underscore. Till next time and next month, that's it. Thank you very much.